Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. This is Trevin McGee from Lawrence.com, and I'm here with Eric Moline from SeedStealers.com. Yes. How's it going? Not bad. How are you doing? It's I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Movie season's starting to kick in again, it seems it is. like. Yeah. We had that little lull period, and now this week we've got some major releases coming out, yeah. while the help continues to dominate the box office. Oh, uh, let's not talk about the help. Neither of us have we, seen it. We haven't talked about it up to this point. I don't think we should yeah. break... I don't think we should break tradition. We're going to have to talk about it when the Oscar season starts because it's going to be a freaking powerhouse. Yeah. Well, until then, yeah. let's talk about movies we actually want to talk about. So. Or movies that we've seen, at least. All right. Like Contagion. Yeah. Like Opening Contagion. this weekend. Steven Soderbergh's Contagion. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I, I did say this, actually, when I walked out of the theater to the publicity person for Warner Brothers, but if this movie, this this virus spreading across this global pandemic-style mm-hmm. uh, uh, drama movie was directed by somebody like Michael Bay, yeah. it would have cost $150 million. Uh, everybody on the movie would have gotten paid more. We're talking about Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Marion Cotillard. Uh, huge cast, Brian Kate Cranston. Winslet, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, yeah. I mean, but these people would have been paid huge paychecks, and they'd be running around in the streets uh, because of the mayhem caused by the pandemic. Sure. There would be car- big car crashes and big action scenes, and that's what the focus of Contagion, as directed by Michael Bay, or any other generic action director would have been. Okay. So what is and, the focus then? Well, this is, this is Steven Soderbergh. Hands. So uh, not only uh, did he film the entire movie himself sure. under the name Peter Andrews, he's his own cinematographer. Uh, it's a very intimate movie. And and it's much like Traffic, uh, his movie from 2000, which he won an Oscar for Best Director for, which is, uh, to say, a story, a narrative, a sprawling narrative with tons of main characters. Okay. And so he's constantly going back and forth between the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, uh, the World Health Organization uh, in Geneva, uh, Hong Kong, um, a personal story of uh, a wife and husband yeah. affected by it, which is uh, Paltrow Damon and, Paltrow. and Damon. Yeah. Yep. And then Damon's uh, subsequent struggle to keep the last remaining member of his family alive. Uh, and then also uh, the story of just the virus spreading uh, in general. Um, but what's really interesting about it is that he doesn't sensationalize it at all. Um, the the screenplay is by this guy, uh, Scott Burns, Scott Z. Burns, I guess. Okay. Uh, and it's very uh, like they did a lot of research into this before they put it out. And so it's thorough. It's thorough. Uh, it's got a lot of medical terminology in it. But that's not to say it's boring at all. It's okay. actually... Uh, it really gets under your skin, um, no oh, pun intended. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 honestly, like while the while the movie was going, and they were, it, it begins with uh, talk of how quickly this can spread. Yeah. And Soderbergh does all these quick jump cuts of people just living everyday lives. And one of the things, one of the statistics thrown out there by Kate Winslet, is that you, uh, an average person, will touch their face three thousand times in a day. And as they're showing you all these ways that disease can be transmitted through touching and and spitting and coughing and laughing and all this other stuff, you realize all this human contact, how easy uh, uh, an airborne epidemic like this could spread. And you're you're very conscious while you're watching the movie. You're sitting there trying not to touch your face and everybody else around you is, you know, very cognizant of who's coughing and who's uh, touching what. It's really interesting. So he plays on paranoia. A lot. Well, at the beginning, it's 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 a really structured film, and and admirably so. Um, I thought it was very efficient and fast moving, uh, extremely uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I did not want to like it. I didn't want to see it going into this film. I was like, eh, Why contagion. Not? I don't know. It just didn't seem like anything that I'd be interested in. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. I guess there's been enough bad virus movies like Outbreak and and whatnot out there that I just didn't want to see another one. Yeah. Um, I think Outbreak's awesome for all the wrong reasons. Right. Outbreak's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and and I read an article about it recently in the L.A. Times, and and there was a. A person who who helped out uh, uh, an administrator or not administrator a government official who helped out uh, advise mm. rather on this movie and he was like yeah everything in Outbreak was wrong so so this movie uh, you know uh, here's the other thing I like instead of being this over emotional grand spectacle I mean millions of people are depicted as dying in this film. Yeah. Millions, right? Maybe even billions. I don't remember exactly. And and the reason I don't is because it's kind of hard to get a grasp on that because it's such an intimate uh, portrait of these people who are working hard to stop the spread and their own personal and ethical crises that they, that they develop. But yeah. um, because he, he gives you these personal stories, that emotional weight towards the end of the film is felt in that way. So we're not meant to mourn the millions of people that have died, but we're meant to sympathize with Matt Damon and his struggle to keep his daughter alive. And it's very effective. You okay. know, it actually does bring out an emotional resonance that I wasn't really prepared for. How long is the movie? It's two hours, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's a fast two hours. Um, but I remember being surprised at how long it lasts. Uh, in in the story of the virus. Right. So uh, once it seems like things are starting to wrap up, I thought, oh, well, the movie's almost over. And it didn't because it's constantly exploring issues surrounding what if this happened. So after a cure is developed, the movie continues. How are they going to now get that out to people? Right? How's the government going to deal with that? How are they going to decide who gets some first? And there's this constant ethical uh, uh, you know, dilemma uh, after another, one after another, that that's presented in this movie in the most dramatic way possible, without yeah. being without being overly melodramatic, you know. And and I think Soderbergh should be uh, commended for that. I think it, uh, Contagion is a surprisingly effective film. You know, he he is one of those directors that I just implicitly trust on anything that he picks up. So really? when I, yeah yeah. So when I saw, did you see Che? Yeah. <laughs> All, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't all, trust him on that or all, the girlfriend experience. All four but. or six hours. Yeah, I watched. I watched all of Che. And I, anyway, interesting experiments, though. But I don't yeah. think he's always. He always is. He always wins. I think Ocean's Thirteen is a, a disaster. That's a horrible movie. Oh, really? I, I, I like that. I'm completely fine with that. Hmm. I don't think it's great, but you know, Oof. I'm okay with it. Um, anyway, but he's uh, he's always interesting. He's always interesting, um, and he's always. I mean, he, like you said, he's got a great eye uh, as his own cinematographer. He's got a great eye. I love I love uh, how kinetic his edits are. I mean, mm-hmm. from a production standpoint, he always makes a really like cogent and well produced, polished product. Even when he's going for something kind of uh, artistic, and artistic, weird. or or ragged, like uh, the girlfriend experience isn't exactly like a um, perfectly. You know, it, it, it's meant to be kind of worn in in places, and still, it, it works out um, at least on a production level. Story and performances and so on; those can kind of vary, but uh, I've always found him to be a very capable technical filmmaker. And so, with Contagion, I was like, I, I'll check it out. I mean, yeah. I really have no interest in virus movies or, or disaster movies at all. Uh, but you know, 
with him at the helm, I'm, I'm this way is, more interested. And then with that, the cast, too. Yeah. The cast was just... This is funny. not a disaster movie. And that was one of the reasons that it works so well, because it doesn't feel like that cheesy kind of yeah. over-the-top epic scale, even though, I mean, this is about as epic yeah. a scale as you can get. What did... what? It wasn't Day After Tomorrow. What was the terrible disaster movie? 2012. 2012. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, both of those were terrible disaster oh, yeah. movies. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. 2012. You know, there's no, there's no special effects. There's no CGI. Um, yeah. and I mean, there doesn't need to be. But, frankly, the, the thing that, that really struck me was how many people, how many big stars he got involved in this and how little time each of them spend on screen. Yeah. This is a, a, a huge, like, Robert Altman-style ensemble cast. And it... I can imagine he probably had Damon uh, Cotillard uh, Winslet on on set for no more than three or four days each. Wow! And and many of them don't even act with each other right. because all their stories are They're separate. Completely separate. He yeah. covers a lot of ground, just like traffic. All sides of the drug war. This is all sides of of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and I think a, a lot of it very subtly and, and fairly. Cool. You know, there there's scenes where uh, where a person's um, character. Yeah. comes out through a small uh, gesture like Kate Winslet giving somebody their her blanket mm-hmm. you know after um, after an, an incredibly painful moment or during an incredibly painful moment it's just little things like that that stand for bigger things mm-hmm. and like I said he moves quickly efficiently uh, it's a surprisingly good movie cool well I'm, I'm glad to hear that so if you're gonna give it a rock fist it'd be minor major, this would be a solid rock solid fist up. yeah absolutely cool. with the scene stealers rock fist rating TM. <laughs> All right, well, it's, I think you've said all you can say about that. If there's anything else to add. There's one other thing one to other add. Thing. There's a... Uh, there's a um, is, there a, a, is there like a bird prime that they have to track down and get the, uh, get the antidote from, like in Outbreak? Because that true, was my favorite in, in true, stupid uh, device in that movie. Was Soderbergh, uh, Ocean's Eleven style, he gives you um, the beginning of the virus at the end of the movie, oh. which is great. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, but no, the other thing I wanted to warn people of, there's not really any gore in this movie, but there is one scene that had, that happens pretty quickly, right in the first five, six minutes of the film of, uh, of somebody's, uh, uh, of a cadaver's head, uh, being, um, uh, <laughs> sawed open and the flap pulled back so that you can see, so that the doctors can see the brain. Now, the brain is not shown. Right. But you see the flap at the top edge of the frame and you're like, oh, your imagination does the rest. It's, right. It's not gore, but. Um, Close enough. Yeah. And it's a really big movie star's head. So it's really, uh, it's, it's quite effective at letting you know that um, this is serious business oh, right away. Wow. Yeah. I think I know who that is, but I'm not going to guess because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Uh, you, you'd say, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Well, you already know who it is. Know. Yeah. Anybody who's um, seen the preview for this movie or the next one that we're about to talk about has basically seen the entire film, but it's the details that matter. And you know, it's, the, it's, the, it's the experience. And that's the perfect way to segue into the next movie because uh, whereas it sounds like this one got the details right, uh, the next movie we're going to talk about, Warrior, uh, got the details completely wrong, in my opinion. I'm going to let you introduce um, this one. Warrior is, uh, if you can pull up the director for me, can, I can't remember Gavin his name. O'Connor. Gavin he directed O'Connor. Miracle. That's right. Yeah, the uh, U.S. hockey team movie. It's Kurt Russell, who's not in enough movies. Totally cliched, but very effective. Yeah. Um, this movie is totally cliched, but not at all effective. Uh, Warrior is about these two... It, I'll say it 
and it's really amazing because the trailer spoils it right away. But in the movie, it's a big plot point that they they don't well, allude the to end for of the a movie. long time. Yeah, it's the end of the film. But it's about these two brothers that you don't know they're brothers in the movie until again about a third of the way through you figure it out. <laughs> but uh, and it's a big twist when it happens. But it's about these two brothers that are both upside down in life for two different reasons, reasons. You know, and they are and they're very timely. You know, like reasons i mean it's supposed to kind of mirror what's going on in society right now in america um and they for one reason or another both have been trained to fight um been trained to wrestle been trained to grapple by their crazy alcoholic uh stereotype straight out of a uh, a cracker jack box oscar bound father oscar bound father uh nick nolte and uh they enter into this. They separately. They haven't seen each other in forever. They separately enter into this Sparta tournament with mixed a, martial arts MMA mixed martial arts tournament with a five million dollar prize. They each want the money for different reasons, um, and so it's these twin underdog stories. Two Rockies are better than one, right? Um, set to the backdrop of uh, economic downturn and an a, an entire generation that has been lost to the afghan iraq wars and that sounds like a really promising premise on paper it's not like even describing it, that doesn't sound like a bad idea but it's again it's the details that screw everything up this is the most um deliberate uh poorly paced and poorly executed movie i've seen in a long time what yeah really really poorly paced and poorly executed absolutely i my argument for the reason that 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 i resist liking this film is not that it's poorly paced or poorly executed. I don't. In care fact, what I think, think I think the pace I think the pace is is uh, perfect for what it is, and I think the acting, especially. Uh, I didn't is, say anything about the acting. Well, okay. Well, that's part of it being the story being executed well. Is these actors are really really good in their roles. Well, I'm talking more about the way that it's staged and the way that the plot itself is shuffled along. So we're talking specifically about the construction of the plot, which mm-hmm. I think we the both agree is the weakest the story part of the, and the dialogue. Right. The dialogue is bad. It's great, great actors. I mean, I'll say like, like I'm going to be really disappointed if uh, at least um, Thomas Hardy, Tom Hardy doesn't get nominated for, uh, it won't be best actor, but it will be what best uh, um, supporting. Who knows? I don't it know. Could what, be. I don't know Joel Edgerton is his brother. They're mm-hmm. both really good. I think it's really telling that they're both supposed to be these uh, blue collar American archetypes and one's from England and the other one's from Australia. Right. But they're Irish, Irish dudes as well. Right. But yeah, but yeah. It's, you know, they're supposed to be Americans. And, right. You know, it's like, you know, getting a Brit to play Superman. We can't, we don't have tough Americans anymore. <laughs> we have to, we have well, to outsource that. It kind of mirrors uh, LA confidential where you've got um, these two great unknown actors mm-hmm. who come to America and their first big role uh, there is them playing Americans. Yeah. So Guy Pearce and Russell Crowe. I think Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton are going to be big stars after fantastic. this. They're both fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Hardy was already going to be a huge star. Inception, this, and then Dark Knight Rises. Like, sure. He'll, he'll never come down. But Edgerton, Edgerton does a great job. And he does as best as he can with the crummy script he's got to add a lot of soul and a lot of um, um, likability to his character. Because they really – he's an underdog, but they just stack it on to the point that it's absurd. <laughs> it is and absurd. The, the, uh, That's the right word for this plot is yeah, absurd. At really no absurd. point is this plot believably – The other the other one is uh, – the other good word for it is convenient. Just one of the most like – just 
the ha- the random circumstance fairy just kind right. of like waved his wand and was like, and they will both be brothers, and then they will also, you know, yeah. <laughs> they will meet at the same time, and, this, and the secret will come out at the very end, and, and just all of these things, it's completely implausible. The the one thing I will give it credit for, the MMA stuff is awesome. I could have done with uh, the camera being a little more stationary, mm-hmm. but once they get in the ring, and that takes up like the last third, maybe even the last half of the What movie. about Dolph Lundgren? Did you like him? Oh, he was great. That was actually, I found out that's a, a TNA wrestler, Kurt Angle. Who was uh, a former Olympian. Right. That was Kurt Angle. Yeah. Nice. Well, he plays the Russian fighter. He plays the so Russian. Another so another American cliche. plays the Russian. And yeah. then um, two, two uh, Europeans play Americans. But um, I I won't even go into I mean, you've seen the trailer. If you've seen the trailer at all, you know what the movie is. Um, the one, the other, the other minor credit I'll give it, the best thing about it for sure is the performances. Um, even though they don't have much to work with, they're both very good. But the only other minor credit I'll give is that and this is plot related. Um, they did do a good job of making it difficult to decide which one you wanted to root for when it finally comes down to that that last bout. Also, because of the trailer and because you see that they're going to have to fight each other, that totally deflates this other major conflict that happens early on in the MMA thing. There's this um, unbeatable Russian right. that we're talking about. <laughs> and, of course, he has to go up against Joe Underdog. Yeah. And uh, it would be a really heartfelt, emotional moment. I hadn't seen the trailer, so I thought, wow, he's going to lose here. That's going to be pretty gutsy of the director right. to do that. But if you've seen the trailer, you know that they have to fight each other at the very end. So there's no there's no um, uh, suspense. suspense at yeah. all in that. Because you're like, oh, he's got to beat him because they have to fight at the end because that's what happens in the trailer. Yeah. And so that's – man, that's I, – I just I, – this is one of those movies where <laughs> like – not knowing that from the trailer, I was I was on board for a minute, but it didn't even it took a safe it it took the safe route even then. Like yeah. it just stays on this course. You've seen the you've seen this kind of movie a thousand times. The fighter is infinitely better because the fighter from last I year uh, focused more on the minutia of a family and so on. And all these characters outside of the ring, like their lives and their their motivations, are pretty cookie cutter. And uh, the relation- even though even though this purports to focus on mm-hmm. family and it's about an estranged father, his relationship with his two sons Nick and Nolte. another son God, who he's... wants to have mm-hmm. the life that he his father couldn't give him. Right. And then this this estrangement also that comes between the two brothers. Right. Uh, and and you know they of course they meet they they try to work it out it doesn't work they meet in the ring I mean that is. The moment where they they physically they, yeah. uh, work out you know their problems. Um, we got a after the screening we were handed a little pamphlet pamphlet um, which to, Eric's been a little upset about this pamphlet. Well, you know what? So you 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 go see the movie and and it's up to you to try to figure out what the movie is saying. Uh, it's up to you to try to pull out the themes and, and things in the film. But this little uh, film companion guide that we got uh, after the screening calls it a powerful film with a Christian message. And it has a, a discussion guide uh, and talks about a group sales event. Uh, if you'd like to have a group, go see this movie. And then it has Ephesians 6.4 and Psalm 127 and all these uh, Bible passages where you can learn uh, the keys to healthy family relationships, releasing the bitterness, unlocking the cages, and fulfilling our destiny, and commitment and devotion in marriage. Now, 
These to be are, fair, these none are, of that is in the movie. Yeah, like to, to, that's, what, that's my big concern with that is that that is an example of um, marketing, marketing ascribing a meaning to a movie where you could derive that if you wanted to, but nowhere in the movie is there anything remotely like. There's not any blatant religion that that jumps out in that movie. Absolutely not. Ever. Yeah. Um, I, I it, think it doesn't this... feel like a faith based movie at all. And if you were to find that pamphlet and read it on your own, you would think that it was, you know, it was produced by Walden right. Media. Right. You know, and, and it's not. It's a very gritty, dirty, you know, at times uh, savage, violent, vulgar movie. And that, that's the most confusing thing with me. It's also the least subtle movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah. At, the, at the beginning, Nick Nolte is quoting uh, uh, or, is, or is listening to uh, Moby Dick. Yeah. Right. And so we already have our, our, our frame of reference of, uh, you know, the, the underdog going up against the big whale. Right. Right. Uh, and that happens twice because we have two characters doing it. One is doing it for personal redemption. The other one's trying to pay the rent. And uh, I think that the vulnerability that that all three actors, main actors, I'm including Nick Nolte in this, bring to the role is key to why this film, dare I say it, works and i'm not i'm so freaking torn on this film because there were moments you where i was for him at yes time. i was very very into I never it got there. the clinical side of me says uh this this plot point they just kept piling it on and piling it on cliche after cliche uh and and hammering you over the head with it this is uh the opposite of contagion Right, we right. talked about that being a movie that the that just it covers a, a lot of ground and is very efficient. This covers a very small amount of ground and keeps pounding the themes yeah. into your head over and over. It's with. the opposite and, of and movie like we're going to talk about next week too. Okay, and and obviously and and like you said, the dialogue is is pretty bad sometimes. It's very it's just it's very deliberate. Like the very first scene with Tom Hardy where he's on the porch yeah. and he's like, "Have a drink with me," and he goes, yeah. "You don't drink no more. Next thing you're going to tell me you don't hit your wife no more." You Everything know? is is <laughs> obvious. It's like, telegraphed. Yeah, uh, I I I have a lot of problems with Warrior, a lot of problems with it. But I have to say, as a movie going experience, it works. Now, depending on your level of uh, of acceptance for cliche and stereotype, yeah. this movie could have you running from the theater like it did uh, my friend who I went to the theater with, who's a big sports fan. Oh yeah, and maybe he was the, out quick. He was out quick. Maybe the sports cliches for those who have witnessed them a lot, who watch a lot of those type of movies or who are really into sports, maybe those are going to be too much for mm -hmm. people. At the same time, if you love those, if you love sports movies, if you love rooting for underdogs, <laughs> you're going to love like, this. You'll run directly towards the theater. Like This movie is probably going to have a pretty good weekend. It might even topple the help, I think. If it doesn't have a good weekend, it'll have a good word of mouth. Absolutely. I think Contagion will probably open at number one, but this is going to be around for a good two, three months. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I know to people... their credit, they've been promoting the hell out of this movie every way that they can. I got another invite to it through GoFabo last night at, at, at 10 o'clock yeah. for today. There were I mean, screenings of it they're last weekend. It, they're pushing it hard. Yeah, uh, Public screenings. Public screenings last weekend. They're really trying to get it out there. Um, I'm so torn, though. I really I can't recommend it for, for serious film fans, but at the same time, I think you kind of owe it to yourself to see it and see how it affects you because yeah. um, it's the absolute pinnacle of cliched uh, sports movie making, um, but it also has... Some very strong performances in it. I was just frustrated by it from start to finish yeah. I, because I, I think it's what I feared the fighter would be. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it had a lot of promise, and um, 
I think the premise is gold. I love the idea of the opposing side. I don't think they needed to be brothers. I think that could have been taken out. Like <laughs> it didn't. It didn't need that many con, uh, conveniences. conveniences. You yeah. know, like I, I would have liked if they'd just been two separate guys um, with different sides of the track, or however you want to put it. Both, both with problems, both justified in what they're right. doing. Right. And they come to a head, and one has to win and one has to lose, and that's just how it is. Right. You know, like, I, I would have enjoyed that a lot more now, and would have had it be a lot more compelling. That I, kind of plot contrivance, though, I applaud in superhero movies when there is a relationship between, let's say, Spider-Man and... Green um, Goblin. And the Green Goblin. Yeah. Uh, you know, his friend, his father, his friend's father. Uh, even even uh, in Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock where, yeah. uh, you know, he has a relationship with the guy outside of that. Father I applaud movies like that this, yeah. because I know that that deepens the emotional connection yeah. to the characters. And so, but, but for some reason in a movie like this, that kind of contrivance is just really annoying. Well, if it had been, I don't, I can't pinpoint it, that. I can, if it'd been likable or the least bit, um, realistic in their relationship, but the, the, the Nick Nolte character is just a waste of time. And he's, he's not ever anything more than just a shouting board. And I, as soon as I saw him on screen and I saw how, cause he has two modes, and he was doing. He's doing the like da- he plays down, and when yeah. he does, he just he just kind of grunts and grumbles to himself. And then when he's up, he's through the roof like at the end of of, of Hulk right. when he's stuck in I that love scene his with performance Eric Bannon. Hulk. Yeah, I do too. Because it's just a train wreck. Like, yeah, yeah. And I was I was thinking like, are we gonna get are we gonna get crazy Nick Nolte in this movie? And sure enough, you finally do. And it's not. I mean, it's supposed to be humanizing, or it's supposed to be a scene where we kind of like understand him a little bit better but it's just comical it was just comical to me See, and you like he was doing funny, his job it's funny he to was hear doing you talk his about job. this now <laughs> it's funny to hear how you talk about it now because after the movie you were just like you, were, you were done you yeah. hated it well it, i had a very emotional reaction because i was torn i was pissed you were furious, at the movie man. for working on some level while all the time knowing that this kind of crap, that I'm suckered into this kind of crap because of the way this movie is put together and the people who are acting in you it. You know what I think you did? I what? think you got mad at yourself. And yeah. I think you took it out on other people. That's <laughs> a weak thing to do. And you know what I did? I accepted. Uh, I accepted something, and um, I, I, I have some redemption now. Just to get I've mad about it. A little bit. Just yeah. to get mad about it. I'm trying to think. You said something very specific that you weren't you weren't happy with. Oh, you were talking about how they deliberately made sort of, they didn't really villainize, but they kind of villainized uh, one of the fighters before the big fight. So you'd root for them a little bit less right. and root for the other guy. You're upset with that. That didn't bother me nearly as much, but there, you know, again, it's highly, it's very deliberate. I would have liked it if it stayed in that gray area a little bit more, yeah. but there's no grays in this movie. It's very Absolutely black and white. Not. Yeah. It's very black and white. And, there's not a lot of like again to go back to what we've been talking about this whole time. There's not a lot of detail. You don't get a major understanding of these characters. Even when you finally find out some more backstory for mm-hmm. some of them, um, specifically Tom Hardy's character, when you figure right. out what's going on with him, it's done in such a clunky, awkward way that you don't you, like you don't walk away from that being like, oh man, like he's he's got you know he's got something he's to got prove, something to prove, or he's got some issues, or he's I can relate to this person more now having been ac- given access to these details I didn't formerly had. You don't think that or go through that at all. It's just kind of like, oh, well, okay, he's already fighting people, so I don't care. Um, and uh, I don't know, it was just really frustrating. The other thing I forgot to mention when we complained about it the first time after the movie, um, the montage. For being <laughs> such a deliberate sports movie, the montage is pretty pretty 
garbage. You well, know? you know what it does is it's uh, the movie is in two modes. Yeah, the movie is set up. And then the movie is the big tournament. Yeah. And in between that is the montage. Right. Thankfully, they didn't spend a lot to- a lot of time on that. But it also makes you think, well, there's no way that this school teacher could be ready for this in that amount of time. I mean, yeah. it's, again, ridiculous, the, the, the convenient things in this plot. Um, if you would have – if we would have recorded this yeah. two weeks ago when we saw the movie, we screened this film two weeks ago, I would I would be a lot more fired up. I would have a lot more uh, uh, angry opinions to, to, to throw him, out there, but I've, I've had teacher. time to think about it, and I'm just kind of, you know, you know, they made him a teacher. You know, why don't they just? Why didn't they just make him like a journalist or any, anything else? Like put him in another industry that's in trouble. You know, yeah. like why? They just, and then the kids and the principal the rooting kids, for him and everything. Uh, yeah. Oh, they just pile oh, it on. That. Yeah. Oh, and if God, you can, I hate if you this can, movie. if you can, <laughs> if you can surrender to it. If you can surrender to it and, and it sounds like a good premise or or or, or a good idea to you, it, it'll it will work. Absolutely. But, you know, it, but the thing is, it's a on pretty, some base one dimensional level. All right. Yeah. You you can put it that way. I would prefer not to insult people that want to watch this movie. Um, no, I'm just saying it works on that level. As only. long as you're base and stupid. And no, no, no. It works on one level. Is right. what I'm saying. It's not a deep movie. No, it's not. You know, despite um, what the pamphlet says. So yeah, in closing, I think uh, what what level uh, of the trademark Rockfist rating would you give this? I don't know, man. A Are Swiss you, fist? You're gonna go Swiss fist? A minor Rockfist down? I don't know. I'm gonna write my review tonight and see how, if I can further cohesively put together my thoughts. It's yeah. it is it is a very frustrating movie because I have to admit, on some level, it worked. My thing is, I, I'd give it just if it were me and I was given the keys to your trademark rating system. Um, I it's a solid down. I mean, it's a wow. it's a rock hard rock hard down because it squanders a ton of promise. It squanders two fantastic performances from two lead actors that have nowhere to go but up, um, and it really does a disservice to a lot of the people and a lot of the professions that it supposedly tries to hoist up or appeal to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it just misses the mark entirely and it's being marketed as this big feel good, you know, uh, pull yourself up, be proud kind of movie. And I, I don't think it actually is that kind of movie. I just think that it thinks that it is. So Fair enough. That's my opinion on it. And we're going to leave it there. I'm going to cut him off before he can say anything else. So we're going to go, um, real quick though. We've got the movies that are going to be at Liberty Hall this weekend. Uh, we haven't seen either of them, so, um, good luck with that. But, uh, Sarah's key. Is going to be here um, starting Friday. And then uh, we've also got The Guard, which I've heard good things about The Guard. But, uh, again, we haven't gotten access to either of these. So Trey Hawk on the Scene Stealers website has reviewed Sarah's Key. Do you guys have a review for The Guard up? Nope. Okay. So we've got one of those reviewed somewhere. You can go to scene-stealers.com to check it out. And uh, beyond that, we're going to go. So have a good weekend. We'll be back next week where we're definitely going to talk about Drive. Yep. I've already seen it, so I know I'll be talking about it. I really wanted to talk about it today, but I can't. Um, but I'm looking forward to Eric seeing it so that we can hopefully have a heated discussion about it next week. So, in Let's the meantime, get heated. Sorry, heated. I don't want to get. It was to the tune of physical. It didn't work. See ya. Bye. Have a good weekend.